things that you and I now consider like, but of course, who would be against that are things in the past that people really had to fight for. So I will say we've come a really long way. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of the things that we are talking about and is and like what are the gaps that that are currently yeah, what are here we, that what are we're we fighting, fighting for? for? What is DEI I think, fighting for? I think it is creating an environment where each kid's unique needs are met, so they can reach their full potential. So they get the opportunities to reach their full potential. Welcome to the Eans Parents United podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Silva. Join me for meaningful conversations and timely information about Ian School District. It's past, present, and where we hope, for the good of our children, it's heading. In this third episode of How You Can Get Involved as a Parent, we have the uh, great pleasure of talking to Darshana Kalikstein. Darshana is a very active parent in our community and she is the co-founder of the Eans for Equity group here at Westlake High School and in the district. She also sits on the um, DEI committee that's been organized formally by the, uh, by the school district. Darshana has a very deep knowledge in this subject area. And in this episode, we're gonna discuss what are the goals of the Eans for Equity group, the issues that Darshana believes that DEI is trying to solve here in our school district, and the role that parents in the district, especially as it relates to DEI policy, can play in furthering and advancing their mission. Well, thank you for being here, Darshana. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Very nice that you're here. Uh, a lot to talk about around DEI. As you know, it is a uh, controversial subject to a lot of people. To a lot of people, it's probably a calming and soothing subject and one that they've been waiting on for some time, potentially, and we're going to talk about all that. But I'd like to um, – I would put myself in the group of parents that doesn't quite really understand what it is. Mm-hmm. I hear about it a lot. Um, I hear – a lot of ten- tension about it and anger about it being there. I, you know, I hear all sides. I'm still quite ignorant on it. So hopefully today in the podcast, I'm going to get educated on what this is and who better else to educate us on DEI than you, <laughs> since you're uh, in the middle of this, uh, like anyone, like no one else here in the in the community. So why don't um, why don't you start with how did you get involved? in the DEI movement. Where did this come from from you? Why are you so passionate about it? Tell us your story a little bit. Sure, sure. Thanks for for the question. Um, I think working backwards a little bit, mm-hmm. so Eans for Equity, it's a, a came out of conversations with other parents, um, mm-hmm. as often lots of organizations do, right? They came out of kind of a shared interest in things, um, people approaching things differently. And uh, I am a Uh, co-founder. There was a group of 24 of us, actually, that came together uh, from all the different EANS campuses um, who had been thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in different ways for several years. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had been interacting with the schools and advocating for it and kind of in their own way mm-hmm. um, with their children. And I think for me, uh, it was so lovely to hear people talk about things that were um, a little deeper, a little bit more um, personal. Mm-hmm. People were being vulnerable. And I I will say, it for me, it felt... A bit more familiar, a little bit more than just talking about after school activities or um, soccer games and summer camps. Those all are really important. But I found that when we started talking about some of these topics that people became really vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. I think I got to know people on a Mm -hmm. much 
deeper mm. level. And I will say, just personally, you asked about how, yeah. how, why was this even an interest yeah. in why my was life? It, why was yeah. it familiar to sure. you? Sure. Yeah. I think simply my life has been so enriched by learning about other people's experiences, about being exposed to to different things. Mm. Um, I was born in Sri Lanka. In Sri Lankan, yeah. Yeah, but- Pretty exotic. Uh, it, it can be, it is a <laughs> tropical island. Um, but there was a civil war there, and my parents left the country and mm. came to America, and, um, and their families kind of spread all over the world. Yeah. Um, we were taken in by a family, um, who, interestingly enough, my dad had, uh, come and done his his senior year of high school in Southern California, class of 69 in Southern California, an exchange program. And, um, that family became my extended family that became my surrogate family here. And so I lived they were Jewish, lived with mm-hmm. this Jewish family. Um, I've lived in small towns and uh, big cities. I've um, gone to Christian and Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been exposed to all different religions and faiths. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a, worked for the airlines for a long time mm-hmm. um, and is a travel agent. And so we got uh, I've spent much of my childhood on standby. Um, so an American life exposed to a lot of different cultures and backgrounds yeah. and different people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I switched schools a lot. So mm-hmm. I also got exposed to private and public and mm-hmm. parochial, yeah. um, small and big. So yeah. I, I just, I was often the new kid um, yeah. and learned to get comfortable with my own skin and mm-hmm. also really interested in others. And is that, um, is that what in, inspires your passion about why DEI is important? Um, because it helps kids like you would have been helped by it or something? Is it is it something that you were missing that after you became an adult you felt was uh, something needed for the generation behind you? I And why it's important in schools? Yeah. I think DEI in a school setting yeah. is really about giving kids the opportunity to see themselves in what they're learning to see others and get windows into other people and other identities and experiences too. So that's how I see it. And so uh, how does you – were, you were talking about um, you, a bunch of people got together. I think you said 24, a mm-hmm. couple dozen of you, and uh, your parents and, and you – about what year was this? Early 2020. Early 2020. So it's yeah. within the last couple of years. And That's then right. um, you approached the school um, and said, hey, we need something. We, we need more around this. Or yeah. how did it connect? Well, I think we each sort of had our own personal stories of why we thought DEI could be a good solution or a good approach um, or something that the school should prioritize in order to enhance the education of our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we learned through just conversations with each other is that there, there are certain things that we all thought we would benefit from, our kids would benefit from, and we decided to advocate for that. Um, we ser- drafted sort of a letter of our intent, of our goals, of our vision, and uh, lots of parents signed on to it. So mm-hmm. with that, we were able to go and talk to the school district and talk to our board members and um, kind of advocate within the existing framework of our of our community. And yeah. I think part of it is, you know, it is life can get so busy just with our existing responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. We had to be really intentional about carving out time um, to focus on something we mm-hmm. care about. Mm-hmm. What What are the goals of your uh, your group? What are your sure. goals? Well, when we uh, when we started out in 2020, our goals were really clear. We felt like we learned that up until 
just the last couple of years that um, teachers weren't provided with like anti-bias professional development training on how to handle difficult situations that might come up. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that we wanted to see. We wanted to see our teachers get the opportunity from K through 12, Mm -hmm. not just optional at the high school, Mm -hmm. um, but to to learn how the to get the tools to better handle certain situations that might arise in their classrooms or often, you know, at the lunch table or in the playground. Um, And so that was one. Another one was we felt like the district hadn't been intentional about creating an environment that was or wasn't vocally intentional about creating an environment that prioritized maybe interrupting prejudice when it's seen or prioritize creating really inclusive environments or equity. And those were things that we thought were important. And so um, suggested that they hire a consultant to do sort of a a needs assessment, if you Mm -hmm. will, to figure out that and create some steps about what what we could do better. Mm -hmm. Because I think, I think, uh, Eans does so many things so well. Mm-hmm. It really does. And I mean, it's one of the ma- main reason we moved into the district was for the education that we hope our kids would receive. Mm-hmm. And and we were, I just, I think that the group realized that, you know, there there's ways to enhance things. Mm-hmm. There's ways to create more inclusive learning environments. Mm-hmm. And so teacher... Uh, professional development mm-hmm. uh, around hiring. handling bias mm-hmm. uh-huh. or handling yeah those kind of difficult that, that was situations. the term you used right An- yeah anti bias anti bias okay. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and hiring a a consultant to help a guide the work, not yeah. seeing that we didn't have, I mean, <laughs> our staff is so tapped. We're a small district and yeah. our central office is really um, stretched in what they do. And they do phenomenal work in terms of helping run the district. But knowing that that need, mm-hmm. it needed to, we needed to carve out intentional space for it. Uh, we really wanted to center student voice. Um, we think, I think often, uh, parents, we tend to talk a lot about our kids, uh, but mm. we really wanted to hear and spend time listening to our students. Um, so we wanted in our work and we wanted to encourage the school district to really center student voice. And ultimately, we really wanted the board to say that this is an important priority. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm happy to say that all of those early goals were met. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we had teacher development uh, in in 2020 and 2021, which was great. I think I've heard from lots of teachers that are like, it's not enough. We need more. Mm-hmm. And the board um, has made it a priority. And I have to be clear, the, the advocacy work that we did and the changes that I think people have seen in the district aren't just coming from parents. I think, I think what really moved the needle for the board and for the district was actually hearing from directly from students that they felt like this was an important need. Um, student organizations formed to try and for, so they themselves could kind of advocate for some of these things mm-hmm. as well. They heard from tons of alumni, recent alumni, who <clears throat> I, I just think it's like a testament to the strength of Westlake. Um, I think you had a previous person on uh, we've had some older alums on um, who were around when you know the high school was just forming and uh, and I really think that there's a lot that still ties folks to the community and these younger these more recent alums advocating for this stuff I, I kind of think of it as like a love letter back to the the district like hey we love this place this is how we can do better when we left and went to college whether it's these ivy league schools or out in the world we recognized that this part of our education was was missing and we think we would love for to see that for future generations um you you um kind of back to the underpinnings of the the founding where was the demand coming from were you actually getting teachers reaching out to you saying we need anti-bias training. 
Or we have students that don't have what is it for to center voice? Yes, to center. To, I mean, were you getting teachers saying to us, yeah. that this is a major problem? I mean, you had there's a grand swell of teachers asking for this. I will. Uh, so when we initially started and kind of presented what we wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, I will say one other goal that I did not mention is we really felt strongly that it was important that we create opportunities for us to have conversations with other parents, with other folks in the community, that the responsibility just just doesn't lie in the district administration or the school board. Um, We did hear from a lot of teachers saying, thank you. This is so needed. We would love to have better tools in how to deal with some of these situations. And also, you talk about, you asked about, was like there a groundswell? That we've heard from countless parents, countless parents who shared personal stories of how they really think that we can create a better environment for all kids. Um, and how this work is really important, whether because of experiences that they their students have had. Um, and so that's where we heard from. So I'm, tr- so I'm trying to understand, um, I'm trying to parse this in my brain. Some of the motivation for DEI, you believe, has to do with preparing students to be more effective out in the real world. Yes. Um, part of DEI is to address uh, some students that are aggrieved by the environment that is not correct in the schools, whatever this might be. You just mentioned a minute ago. And then part of it is teachers feeling that they're not equipped to deal with situations around bias or racism and these types of things. Well, is that the, uh, I don't want to say that they're not equipped. I think teachers mm-hmm. are... I mean, they're the components of mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. They are, I think, the true testament of being lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. And I think that they are always looking at how they could be doing their job better. But I, they, And but so they, but I, they, there were pe- parents who – there were, sorry, yeah. teachers who did say, hey, this is important. Mm-hmm. We do need to see this. Mm-hmm. And we would like the opportunity to have this. And then um, – Especially at the elementary level um, – because in the past, those types of professional development opportunities were only at the high school. How this um, concept about, um, I want to talk a little bit about this bias, and then we'll talk in a second about um, this centered student concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is this an acute problem? This bias where teachers, uh, a, a, an adult teacher, uh, it has a situation between two children and in the elementary level, as you say, that's where some of, and they don't know how to deal with it in just kind of a practical adult way. They need some other training. I, I'm missing like what, what, sure. what, what is a, what is a, your, uh, you I, know, I mean, I can tell you a personal story. Well, um, well, just, uh, uh, just, just, um, you know, you had these, all these teachers are college graduates, sure. you know, accredited, uh, Absolutely. been trained, certified to be teachers, and they're, they love kids, right? Uh, obviously, passion, passionate about kids. They don't know how to deal with these situations. They need more training around this. So this is a, a big enough problem today that they need this. It's, it's interesting. Uh, so I will, I would, I think that's an interesting question. I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I answer it thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. I would offer that, even if it isn't, it's. I, I, I guess I'm getting. I'm thinking about your use of the term acute. Okay. Um, I think if it happens once, there, there's, there's a need. I think okay. that I think that teachers are always looking to do their job well. Yeah. They really are. <clears throat> They're always learning, and um, it's one of the, one of the careers that people have in life where professional development, how to do what you're doing better, is built in to what teachers do every mm-hmm. year. Um, not all careers have that. Understood. And and so I think that this, they, the teachers who reached out to us saying, yes, this is useful. Yes, this would be helpful. Yes, there are circumstances where two kids might say something to each other. And 
I want to know the best way to handle that. Hmm. I want to respect each child, but I want to be able to sort of maybe interrupt something that perhaps needs an adult intervention. This is where you said interrupt bias. Interrupt prejudice. Prejudice. For sure. Interrupt prejudices. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, your personal example, I'm curious, you were going to give an example of, play this out for me. Sure. Uh, it, it's just an example of, we have loving, kind, passionate teachers. But sometimes when there's a situation that arises, mm-hmm. it's kind of a curveball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes and when anyone kind of is in a situation where they've never experienced it before, there's sometimes a tendency to pause, let me assess, not know exactly how to respond. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what to do here. And an example I will give is when um, my daughter was in second grade. She was mm-hmm. at the lunch table um, and a kid used the N-word mm-hmm. in second grade. Mm-hmm. And she knew it was problematic. She didn't know the word because a per- the lunch person, a monitor, whipped her head around and saw. She heard. Yeah. But didn't know, but the person didn't say anything. So my daughter was a little confused because it felt like maybe something was off and something was wrong. But then it was just met with silence. And uh, it, it was not a learning teachable moment. It was not an opportunity to say, hey, we don't, that's not a word mm-hmm. that we use here. And mm-hmm. here's why. Uh, and so I, that's an example of a very simple example of how a situation could have a trusted adult intervene uh-huh. and and kind of interrupt what was happening. and But instead, the silence also was a lesson that my daughter heard um, that maybe, maybe that word is okay. Mm. And so that's an unintended consequence, of course. But mm. I don't think that, I don't think that person, um, I don't think that person meant any harm yeah right i think mm-hmm. that i think all the teachers and staff and bus drivers maintenance workers mm-hmm. everybody that i've experienced um and interacted with in eden's are so uh student-centered mm-hmm. and are so there for the kids they're so there for the right reasons and why not offer some guidance on how to deal with some of those things and thereby create a more welcoming environment mm-hmm. and i will say you know, the conversation about DEI is something that we've, uh, our organization, E4E, has tried to uplift. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't something that was necessarily talked about. Mm-hmm. But the school district, over the decades, has been taking steps towards creating a more inclusive environment, mm-hmm. towards um, making sure that every kid is getting the education that they need. Uh, for example, in GT programs, for instance. Gifted and gift, talented. That's right. Um, not all kids were, educational needs were being met in the classroom. And I think it was in 1987, there was actually some legislation passed that required schools to uh, explore GT programs. And that's what Eanes did and Eanes responded in 1990, the American Disabilities Act was passed. And that ensured that districts and schools can then prioritize building ramps so that our wheelchair bound or, you know, students who need walking aids, mm-hmm. um, mobility aids can can access their classroom. So I, I, I get GT and I get the um, Disabilities Act, mm-hmm. right? So what what deficit is DEI addressing? If you if you use those two ideas, these are tangible uh, problems. People, kids aren't getting educated to their level, and obviously, people with disabilities can't get in a doorway. To oversimplify it, right? And we have right. to accommodate that disability. What what uh, is DEI addressing in the same way that is missing today with students? In the way that gifted and talented is addressing a need that the school is providing for those students that have that, you know, yeah, that yeah. Qu- that quality and a, a wheelchair access would provide some. What is DEI addressing there? What is missing that it's addressing? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think that some things are are very tangible, uh-huh. like a ramp, right? Yeah. Um, some things start to be, I think, for for some a little less tangible. So it's easy to see how a ramp clearly makes things more accessible. Totally get uh, it. Totally get it. No one, no one but, can argue. There's no one that would stand and argue against making it possible for someone with a disability to get into a room. Sure. Yeah. But actually, for a long time. People didn't make it a priority. Yeah. It really, it wasn't happening in the schools until there was legislation passed. And even then, Eanes had to work to uh, prioritize investment. It didn't all of a sudden happen in the schools. Um, it took a long well, it's time. A federal, and conti- it's right, a federal law. Sure, mm-hmm. but they still have to carve out the money. There's uh, And yeah. they have to allocate that and they have to get it done. Mm-hmm. And from what I hear, there are... Uh, parents from that time that had to advocate fiercely for the district to make it a priority and to do it. So I, I'm just yeah. only it's highlighting that to to indicate that things that you and I now consider like, but of course, who would be against that are things in the past that people really had to fight for. Yeah. So I will say we've come a really long way. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of the things that we are talking about and is and like what are the gaps that that are currently yeah, what are here we, that what are we're we fighting, fighting for? for? What is DEI I think, fighting for? I think it is creating an environment where each kid's unique needs are met, so they can reach their full potential, so they get the opportunities to reach their full potential. For example, going into an environment where um, where racist comments. Are aren't lobbed yeah. regularly? I will there. So well, one of the no things that doctor there, yeah. Well, we but doctor uh, Doctor Gooden uh, did a series of focus groups with the middle school and high school students, and one of the uh-huh. common themes that came out in the report that he published that the district did webinars on um, was that you know these the, these statements are made quite regularly, but they are everybody they're sort of. Be, de, minimized by calling them a joke. Hey, it's a joke. Don't take it so seriously. And so it sort of creates this environment of not very welcoming. Yeah. And so, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, I'm a data person. I I, I, I like looking at um, setting a goal, tracking or success towards that, seeing what the outcomes are, seeing what needs to be tweaked. Like I I do that in my job. I do that in my home life. and I uh, I, and so, but m- tracking someone's sense of belonging, that's a little less physical, tangible than a ramp. Yeah. But I do think it's a noble goal. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to try. And I think one of the ways that we do that is creating open environments where there's a sense of pride in what we're doing, but also a sense of humility for what we don't know and mm-hmm. an openness to learn about mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I'm with you. There's, we should never have a classroom or there shouldn't be really any place where people are, you know, I wish racism would go away. I'm with you. Sure. It's a noble goal. But let's... let's. Um, let's and t- also, it's yeah. not just not just racism. I think a, in an environment where kids can show up to school as themselves and uh, and be welcomed. I, I think I mean, there's is there, is, uh, what you're saying. I it makes me ask the question: Are kids showing up to school now in large numbers that are not welcome at school? Well, you know, at our schools, yeah. Uh, there's a in 2018. There we did a climate survey. A climate, okay. Okay. I think they did in 2014. I haven't Mm -hmm. seen that. But in 2018, they did. They're planning to do another one in 2020. So it's about every four years that they do a climate survey. Then they survey, I believe, uh, parents, staff, and then students. And back in 2018, so before E4E even started, uh, they asked the question to parents to agree disagree yeah. yeah and uh the question was my something to the effect of like m- students rarely say unkind things at school yeah. and only 40 percent of the parents agreed 
Only that, 40. That that 40 percent agree. Agreed that that students say like don't say unkind things at school. OK. Well, why is that remarkable? Of course, kids are kids are can be jerks. Sure. But I think it's an it, it, you were asking, is there an overwhelming problem of par- kids not being kind at school? Yeah. Right. And so I'm just showing you that at that even back then, 40, only 40 percent of the parents would agree with that statement. And so I think that there's and I, and I do think that the school has made strides. It prioritizing um, social emotional learning, prioritizing kindness. Uh, I think those are important movements. Yeah. And I think this, I think DEI is sort of an extension hmm. of that. Yeah, there's probably um, a lot of things you could ask the student body uh, that would be those typical questions around how students behave because they're kids. I mean, these are immature. <clears throat> mouth-breathing, prepubescent, totally. um, adolescent kids and doing stupid things uh, and feeling bullied or pushed around or um, you can't we can't respond to all of it, you know I mean and and so so it's almost it feels to me a little bit, which leads to this next question, you know, remember, I'm that ignorant parent that doesn't quite understand why we're doing it. I think you're learning some. Well, <laughs> you're I'm, asking good I'm, questions. I'm, I'm trying. Um, I'm curious. You know that there's a lot of objection to this concept, obviously. You have the people that are in your group, and you guys get it, and you understand it, and you're enlightened at a level that maybe a lot of other parents are not. Why are the other parents rejecting this? What is their problem with um, this DEI? What do you, I mean, what is the other side? And, and can you understand where they're coming from? Sure, sure. I think that, I mean, I, I can share what I've heard yeah, from your, what I've talked to folks yeah. who aren't sure of the district yeah. doing this and some of the concerns that they've shared with me yeah, um, is uh, examples from other school districts that, made them really uncomfortable that they didn't agree with and and you know some of those examples i uh, concur i agree with them i can you give me an example sure i think i had a conversation with um another parent a dad who was like i don't want to eliminate ap classes it's like, I don't want to eliminate AP classes either. What's that got to do with DEI? Well, he was saying that in some uh, another state, yeah. he, excuse me, he had read that um, it, it that a school district, maybe in the name of DEI, was considering eliminating AP classes, which later turned out that the superintendent said that that was not true. That's not what mm-hmm. that district was doing. But it was this fear. And he was sort of, he knew, he had heard the term DEI happening here. And he was like, I don't want that here. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I know I moved to this district because of all the educational opportunity. What is, um? so what are you hearing in our community? That's an example that was another a school. But those that are objecting to the DEI curriculum and the initiatives that you, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're spearheading, why are they objecting to it? What are their arguments against it? And do you understand where they're coming from? So, so that was one argument. But a lot of the arguments of that I've heard here are in Westlake. Yeah, a lot of the arguments that I've heard are not specific to Westlake. That are, are they are specific to things that they've heard about nationally, mm-hmm. um, but that aren't necessarily happening here. And there's mm-hmm. there is a way to do DEI. Well, and there's just like everything, there's a yeah. way to do it not so well. Mm-hmm. And and I think I advocate for doing things in sort of a not rushed mm-hmm. in a methodical way so that um, we make sure that we're constantly reflecting on whether these are the right moves. Yeah. So, we're, uh, so you're not getting right now, you're not hearing a lot of objection from parents in this district about the DEI initiatives. I'm hearing objections. I'm just saying the objections. No, the objections often tie to things that are happening in other districts. So, so they're, the things they're kind of that extrapolating. are extrapolating. I heard that in yes. Nebraska, yeah. Yeah. they're not allowing, they're, they're getting rid of this program because they want to lower the standard because that's equity. Right. And we don't want that. That's the, so you're not, I think they're another not thing that to something happening here is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, another, another thing that I fair. I hear people concerned about is um, how DEI, how's it going to show up in our curriculum? Yeah, you know that I think curriculum is a big 
um, oh. topic. Yeah, how is and, it? I'm curious. And, you know, I, I'm not a curriculum person. Yeah. I'm not an expert. I am, I'm a parent. Yeah. And um, if you wanted me to show you a spreadsheet yeah, in Excel, yeah. that's, that's my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I will say in terms from E for E and the things that the parents that I've heard um, and what we would like to see in terms of curriculum is that we just want our all kids to be reflected in the curriculum. Um, I think we want the curriculum to be, as I said before, sort of a, a window into other experiences mm-hmm. and also a, a, a mirror back into the beautiful range mm-hmm. of ide- identities that we well, have What does here. that mean, all kids reflected in the curriculum? Does that, I don't, um, know, I don't understand oh, so, that. That's, like, that's, a, this that's is a, a beautiful small... phrase, but I don't know what that means. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I, it is up to sort of our curriculum teams to look at, hey, are there any gaps in what we're currently teaching? Are any stories being missing? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I are we adhering to the teaks the way that we need to be he- adhering to? On like a kindergarten level, teaks talk about um, the importance of kids understanding their identities and different cultures. Are we are we doing a good job? And I think, for example, I'll give you a small example yeah, that I saw uh, uh, just a little shift in elementary um, where my uh, kiddo was, had a winter assignment where they studied winter holidays around the world. And it was sort of an opportunity to learn about different cultures, but to learn about different experiences. And it was beautiful. And I have a, I have two kids, so I have a fifth grader who didn't experience that. But then my now third grader, um, when she was in second grade, got to experience that. So it wasn't part of the the. It, it, it's not going doing anything that's not in line with the teaks. But how can we? But why is that? Why is that uh, remarkable, Darshana? Because when I was a kid mm-hmm. in the seventies, yeah, we put up a Christmas tree out in our front lawn, out in the front of the school, because that's what Germans did. Yeah, and we had we had Christmas celebrated. I mean, I did that in in the seventies. That's missing, and who cares? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean why I, I is that? I, you know what I'm do saying? Do you not care? Do you not want? But I'm 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 asking. If that's but that's been going on, it's not remarkable. That's been going on for a long time. Why, why does that? That's an example of a of a child being reflected or feeling that they're part of it. So uh, another sort of example is um, when we talk about creating a sense of belonging, Belonging, right? And and that it's a board priority. We talked about how um, and how you and I both agree that that's that's sort of a noble. effort um i think seeing a christmas tree is wonderful yeah i think seeing how another country or another culture experiences the holidays Mm -hmm. is also wonderful and i will say for the first time this past year uh the district uh, I think had like a home, no homework night on Rosh Hashanah, which is mm-hmm. like a very important holiday in the Jewish yeah. faith. Mm-hmm. And that was really nice to see. And it was kind of nice for the folks who are Jewish in our community to see that, especially when given the environment in Austin, there has been a lot of anti-Semitism crime increases. There mm-hmm. was a temple that had... Uh, a bomb exploded mm. on the door. There are people in our community that I talk to who, during the winter holiday of Hanukkah, would typically put a menorah in their window, and they were f- afraid because in Austin there was a rash of window rocks being thrown through windows with menorahs in them mm-hmm. just this past year. And so in an environment that isn't always ideal, Simple things yeah. like a school district acknowledging some of the people that exist in the community yeah. is cre- is really meaningful, and mm-hmm. it's it's low, it's it, it's low cost effort. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really cost anything. But these, but the but the the demand for it to be to exist um, uh, assumes that it did not exist. And so, on this example, when I was in school in the seventies and eighties. There wasn't a single Jew in my school, mm-hmm. but we did Hanukkah, and did we you? did of all, all the classes did, and we That's we great. lit the menorahs, and we we this these these ideas, uh, you know, they're 
there are probably millions of examples across the United States where teachers and students are being exposed to other cultures. And so if that's a goal, that's going to be a re- of DEI, that's a really easy goal to achieve because it's already happening. Sure. So there, in some ways, there are things so that, why, that have why, been happening in districts but, around the country that but we're worried about we're a little us. behind. We're worried about us. Yeah. Right? Who cares? I mean, if it's already happening everywhere, why push something that's already going on? Do you not, do you, do you not feel like we, if it's already happening everywhere mm. else, but it's not happening here, why do you think that is? And do you think that that's a gap? Um, it, well, first, you'd have to tell me, is it not happening here? I mean, well, does, does, I, it was an example of yeah. it, I didn't see it with my fifth grader, but I saw it with my then second grader. Well, then it is happening, but it's not happening everywhere, you know, because teachers are having their own discretion. Well, Some teachers I, teach different things. And, you know, that was I had, as you probably had, I had teachers that were, you know, big on uh, art time, mm-hmm. you know, and then I had another teacher that couldn't do art. So we went out and played football, you know, mm-hmm. and. And those things happened, and they're certainly happening in this wonderful district mm-hmm. because, and it, it, because we're producing such a great outcome of students that are sure. going on to achieve great things for themselves and for the country and for the world. Sure. We have this excellence. I just, um, I'm, I think I'm trying to uh, voice back some mm-hmm. of the kind of the uh, the sure. objection that parents have. Like, this sounds like a nothing burger. <laughs> that that we're pushing for things that are already happening. But I also do see your point, which is you're probably saying that in some way it's not as ubiquitous as it should be, that it's not like all students are not getting exposed to it, that it might be happening, but not be happening in a more kind of expected outcome way. Is that probably potentially it? We're not I, all students. Because you said be one more, child is. Yeah, I, I just think we could be more intentional i think it wasn't right i think it wasn't a a district priority before Mm -hmm. and i think that's the difference i Mm -hmm. think when my fifth grader went through second third grade doing that it wasn't a district priority it is now and so Mm -hmm. that that's a simple way that we are the the teachers i think have come up with and the campuses have come up with to help create that sense of belonging and i think that that's Lovely. Yeah. I will also say, you know, from the uh, recent alums that I've spoken to that I spoke, I mentioned earlier that came back and were advocating for this work yeah. um, as well or for the school district to prioritize DEI. Uh, they all talk about how Westlake really did prepare them academically mm-hmm. to succeed in their schools yeah. or life beyond um, Ian's ISD, but they all highlighted gaps in this type of education that mm. their peers had were were ahead of them, mm. and so we hear of from um, one of the panels that E for E hosted was yeah. talked about why is DEI important after graduation? How does this actually impact your real life? And we had a wonderful panel of folks from you know. Tractors at National Instruments, tractors of um, uh, like human resources organizations and from professors from UT. And they talk about how in a workforce mm-hmm. and especially in an increasingly more interconnected, increasingly more diverse workforce, yeah. how if they can DEI is really important to them for a few reasons. But I mean, let's be honest, namely, it does impact the bottom line positively mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Studies have shown that. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that they talked about in this panel that we hosted was uh, that if we can create an environment where each person can bring their true, authentic selves, their full selves yeah. to work every day, we are getting the best creative thinking. We are getting the best problem solving. Yeah. We are getting the best collaboration because they're free to be who they are, and we are creating an environment that is about maximizing their potential at our firm or yeah. organization. And so that was sort of another uh, – that sort of, I guess, cultural competency, yeah, you know, gotcha. uh, is what they were talking about. And it, it also – it mirrored back what we'd heard from alums, what mm-hmm. they were saying that the – their peers at these Ivy League schools were way ahead of them in terms of what they had learned in school. Way ahead of them 
in, in diversity and inclusion. And, because, yeah, and having be, the language even to talk about it. Gotcha. Um, I think when you and I met first, I um, shared with you the fact that for some months now, I've been doing my best to be a quick study on DEI. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, um, been reading as much material as I can, trying to take it all in. And um, one thing that was consistent across all of the DEI practitioners that I listened to that were implementing DEI programs in the private sector, in mm-hmm. corporate, which mm-hmm. you just brought up, and that's a great segue. There was there's three drivers why corporations are doing this. Yeah. When you when you pull away all the fluff, there's sure. three things. One is they implement DEI because they're trying to respond to a problem. They had a problem internally. Uh, a it could be a um, a racial matter, it could be a sexual matter, uh, whatever it might be, some problem in the organization that bringing DEI would be responsive and train the staff on uh, to counter those behaviors. The second thing was to gain or retain customers. So they, they, they corporations understand that there are many uh, of their future customers that buy based buy from organizations that are cause related, right? We used to call this corporate social responsibility. Who are you charitable toward? What are you doing? Now consumers are moving toward companies that have DEI programs and they're, they know that they can retain customers that this is important to them. So you're, to, to your point, it's a bottom line uh, response. And then the third thing is recruiting new employees that, um, corporations, uh, long established corporations, when they go out and look for new folks, new employees or prospective employees are asking, what are you doing in in DEI or, again, cause-related initiatives? So they saw it as a recruitment tool, which is a, a differentiator and, again, a bottom-line driver. So in the private sector, it's all bottom-line driven to do this, which is fine. We're capitalist, no problem. And, and that's a perfectly fine reason to do it. So in the institutional environment, if you think of parents as the customer mm-hmm. and the student as the beneficiary and the teacher as the company, where what is where is DEI addressing? Is it do, do I, I think of students as the customer. You think the student is the customer. So who are the parents then? If the students are the customer and we know the teacher is the worker, what are the parents? I, I'm not sure it applies in this. I know okay. I'm just, you're asking me to kind of fit into yeah. your analogy. I, I do think that the students are the primary reason where we're all here. Mm-hmm, so that's sure. why I, I think of them as the customer. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I think that the parents are the beloved guardians and protectors and advocates. I don't know. Maybe they're the, in your analogy, maybe they're the... Uh, Oversight, mm-hmm. <laughs> like some oversight agency. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, cust- so the, the regulatory the, oversight. I, yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> Holding accountable. So this, this, I'm, I'm, I'm creating uh, an opening to go back to the question I had about the objection that parents are having. Yeah. I think parents are feeling left out. Yeah. To your point, you don't see them as the customer. Uh, you see them as well. I myself, I I don't see myself I, like I'm a parent, right? And and I don't see myself as the primary uh, customer in the oh, school. Okay, and that, and that's yeah. and that's fine. I'm I'm not debating how you see it. Yeah, I'm trying to um, maybe support why there might be objection from parents. Is yeah. that the movement in our community? Yeah, and the way it's been done, or the way it's being done, yeah. is that parents feel left out. Parents are. Just just by your response, which is perfectly natural, they're not considered a customer. And they would argue if they're not a customer, at a minimum, they're oversight. And they're not getting oversight, except for those, obviously, the parents well, that are behind that are interested in it. I, I do think that I, I do think that um, parents deploy and have a lot of agency, right? And different parents choose Don't parents have supreme and ultimate agency over what their children do? 
Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, whether the kids like it or not, yeah, you know, that's right. <laughs> and, and, kids. That, and, and it gets, and I think that that uh, those ratios shift as the kids get older, of course, they, right? The kids would like to whether think the that, parents right? like yeah. it or yeah. not until they reach statutory age. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so I I see that, and I think that there's, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. That the, the, this community, it's one of the strengths of our community that we have so many interested and engaged parents. Mm-hmm. I think it is one of that's why one of the things that, you know, e E3 does is try to create opportunities to have constructive conversation, to host panels on different topics, to bring people together to uh, talk about things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it would be wonderful if the district moved in that direction, too, to figure out how to uh, get parent feedback beyond, you know, a survey, mm-hmm. right? I, I think the meaningful conversation, meaningful two-way conversation yeah. is important. Like you because and I, I are think, having yeah, right now. I, mm-hmm. And that's why I really appreciate um, your concept behind wanting to do this. I, I think I have spent a, talking, a lot of time talking to to a wide range of mm-hmm. people. Um, and even within E4E, we came together and focused on some shared goals yeah um and and but people have a wide range of interests and things that we needed to do but we focused on the ones that we thought were most meaningful and and you know thinking and as the district evolves and as it continues to do make progress i think that it's important that the goals shift and evolve mm-hmm. and that we iterate and we look and and we reflect on them. And, you know, for us, for E4E right now, our focus is re- figuring out how we can make sure that we are centering student voice. Yeah. I, I think um, uh, I think there should be a, a heightened awareness for the DEI folks and that, and that you're doing. You want belonging? I think there's a whole group of people that don't feel belonged. And that is mm. a lot of parents mm-hmm. don't feel included, yeah. feel excluded, yeah, that is- and treated not like a customer, but as what you said, you couldn't quite put your finger on it, <laughs> because um, parents are the customer. I think because maybe they're co-customers, well, right? Like maybe the they students, are the students are the fiscal sponsor. You, know, you get to <laughs> the one thing all of us get to screw up in life if we want to do it is our kids. Yeah. Right. We yeah. have that. Yeah. Everything else is you have to conform and fall in line with. Yeah. But I think this this mentality might help in the long run get people on the same page because people do feel parents do feel excluded. They feel like we're going to teach the teachers who are going to teach the kids and the kids are going to go home and teach us about these things. And parents, see because they don't understand it, they see it as um, these are social moral issues or so or they're social justice issues. And parents want that right to teach those things. And I think that's a misunderstanding, uh, potentially, uh, listening to you. And I, I had an interview earlier about this. Um, maybe there's some misunderstanding. And it may, because, may, may be because there's a uh, lack of clarity in what the goals are. Um, the goals, none of these goals that you've talked about can be measured. None of them. Um but maybe it doesn't always need to be measured to be uh, something to strive for. It's hard to argue that point as well. Mm-hmm. And and then when you say there should be communication and everyone, but I don't think there's a good communication going on between the different factions of this. And the school can be a facilitator of that. And I believe um, Dr. Arnett will. He's, he's, he's moving in that direction. It's one of the things that I think uh, we've, we've started to see already take shape is some small group conversations that are happening. Have, with have you thought about having a big group conversation? Well, where, where, where E for E yeah. um, puts together a big group, moderated, and everyone can come. Like a town hall. A town kinda, hall. Yeah. It, not just the people that agree with it. Oh, but, sure. But the, have you thought about we that? We absolutely have. I think I agree that there's a lot of misconception in terms of um, the fact that <clears throat> there's so much difference in what we're looking for. I think that the fundamentally bottom line is that every parent I've talked to, wherever they fall on whatever issue, it loves their kids fiercely and mm-hmm. wants to do right by them, right? Mm-hmm. We might disagree on the how, 
But as long as there's shared respect for each other's humanity, I think we can have constructive conversations. That's why I'm here today, mm-hmm. really, to be able to talk to you. And, and that's why I'm so appreciative of you extending the invitation. Mm-hmm. I think that the more opportunities, and like I said, I've we've done them one-on-one. Mm-hmm. We've t- tried to do them in a virtual way. We're moving towards looking at um, opportunities to do them in person. Mm-hmm. And and I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, it's uh, as I've said, it's hard to disagree with wanting clean water and happy babies. <laughs> uh, and that's that's what I have to do. I have to hear what you're saying mm-hmm. and what others saying saying. And I have to convince myself this is something, something worth standing for and something worth encouraging my children to be part of. I'm not convinced to me, this just feels like a solution to something where there's not a big enough problem for it. Uh, and I mean, if, wait, if there is problems, it's in small ways. And 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 it it. I mean, I can't can't deny what you're saying about the examples you brought up. And there's probably a hundred more that are that absolutely are real. Totally. But do we need? I just wonder. Do we need to turn the community inside out to address what's called life? You know, this is life. You, these things you, happen through life, and and people need to deal with these things and have grit and determination sure. and get up when they're pushed down and and sure. respond when they're teased and and push back when they're bullied or you know or you know this it feels like it's embracing the dynamic which is who we already are as a society and a community, and it doesn't feel like it's remarkably going to change anything. And I could be I, totally wrong yeah. and an ignorant fool for saying that, <laughs> but I just, to me, it doesn't feel well, like much. Well, I or big enough to to for us to be fighting for this when it just seems like life. Just well, seems like I this. mean, I, I, I mean, we've we've shared. I've shared about our kids, my yeah. kids' personal experiences. When you and I had spoken before, you shared about some of your personal. Oh, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. But I, so DEI I, I wouldn't think, have helped me. Yeah, and if it, it was and back I, then. And I talked to my kid about like suiting up before she goes to school. You know, building some mm-hmm. Teflon. I, I come yeah. from the school of, like I said, I moved around a lot. Yeah. You know, you develop a thick skin yeah, and you, be you navigate. Tough. Right. I, I think that that's right, and I, I think that worked for me. I don't think that works for. All kids, I do. Th- I think. Sure. I, I, I think that. Um, I, you know, in this, I can't kick I, a soccer one, ball one either. Some, you know? There's something that we have a an, another thing that I appreciate that the school uh, is is looking at. They have another advisory committee looking at student health and mm-hmm. mental well being. I think That's that great. mental health is super important. I think that there's like an intersection of how, um, you know, a culture of maybe not feeling belong. It, in a belonging in a school can really significantly affect someone's mental health. Well, that's, and a, that's I, a great I, example. And yeah. and I do think that, I, I, but I also, I challenge the notion that like, this is this big sweeping change. I, as I've mentioned before, there's been a long history of EANS taking steps towards mm-hmm. creating more inclusive environment that prioritizes equity um that and so we are just we ask them to sort of be more intentional formalize the language there were and in terms of what you're saying is there a real problem um i believe that and is this a solution chasing a a, a problem problem. looking for a problem um i think that i don't think this board or this district would have made this investment if they didn't see it as a real concern, if they weren't hearing from current and past students. Current students, mm-hmm. I think, is what changed their minds, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, students did uh, social media, Instagram, uh, they did surveys online to talk about what their needs were and then brought it to the board members and said, this is important. This is well before they made it a board priority. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can find an intersection between uh, uh, between what the good that DEI aspires to accomplish 
It has something to do with potential mental health. Mm-hmm. We we talked about bias. We talked about a DEI could make better um, a racism. It could train teachers better on how to be respond. It could prepare people for the corporate world. I mean, so it, DEI is everything and nothing at the same time. This is the part that escapes my, escapes I don't, my I, mind. I mean, all those things you said, I would never call that nothing. Well, but it's already there. Like all those challenges already exist. And I just don't. I'm, well, like I just gave an example earlier of how there were challenges in the elementary school level, but professional development around these issues were never offered to elementary school teachers. Or maybe that teacher could have been smart enough to know on their own what the heck to do. Or maybe they didn't do something because, you know, there's so many other mitigating circumstances. Sure. I mean, I get I, it. And it's, I think uh, this is. Your this intentions is, are right, it, are, are good. I, I will also share that one of the things talking to parents on different campuses, yeah. right? Middle, the two middle school parents talking to each other, high school, the el- different elementary schools talking to each other. There are a remarkable amount of shared, sort of similar stories. Yeah. You know, these were this to, enough to be like, oh, I, I didn't. That wasn't something that I would report yeah. when that happened to my kid, right? Yeah. That wasn't something that I elevated. It's something that I talked to my kid about at home, and that that was kind of it. Yeah, you know. And um, but hearing other parents experiencing the same thing makes you realize, okay, maybe maybe mm. there's there's something here in terms yeah. of what our shared experiences can teach us. Mm. How can this better inform? what our district chooses yeah. to invest time in because uh, these aren't happening in silos. They're yeah. not just one-off things. There's repeated yeah. things. And, and part of it, I, another thing that I really want to make sure I emphasize sure. is that I talked about how these things are not de- going to destroy our community. I think that's a m- miss. I think that's a a fear that's not going to materialize. I think that we this work requires humility. It requires a lot of grace yeah. too. I think missteps are going to be made in any new thing that people encounter, right? And in this case, like I said, I think of this as an extension of mm-hmm. work that's been happening for a while. Yeah. Um, and I think that we need to pause and like have these conversations yeah. and have grace for yeah. each other and and also i really i i think that the, one of the things that i've been learning that was sort of new to me in this process is the importance of how kids can be um taught to navigate some of these things so i'll leave you i'll leave you with a thought and then i want to get some information on how people can connect with you sure if DEI is to tear apart the community, all it has to do is continuing to not do the very things it advocates for doing. By not making par- parents feel included, not making parents feel that they belong as part of the discussion, um, and uh, not looking for a diverse set of opinions, which is what you're doing right now. Uh, to your credit, you're listening to a diverse. You know where I stand. I mean, you're sitting here with me, uh, getting a diverse uh, uh, feedback on what you what you folks are trying to accomplish. But I th- there needs to be more communication, and also I think you should reconsider whether the parents are the customer or not. I yeah. think I, because um, the the just reconsider that, just reconsider that notion, and maybe a change in thinking will. Um, will bring on some of more some of the embracement well, that some of the embracing that the DEI work is looking for. Well, I I mean I'd love to take this opportunity to learn from mm. you and the folks that you are talking to at the folks that feel excluded, right? And I I do think that the traditional ways of doing things have shifted with COVID, and I, I whether well, we got to get off Facebook. Well, well I mean, I, and get in and front I think of one people, another. Yeah, I, I think people um, had to resort to devices to for communication, mm-hmm. and um, I, so I am. They resort super, to or hide behind them. Yeah. Yeah. I, Agree, yeah. agree, and I and I I mean, there's tons of studies on like online bullying and how it's. It, there are things that I, you know, parents will say 
behind a screen that I know that they wouldn't say to someone's face, you know? And I I think that civility is really mm-hmm. important. Um, and I think that that's really important to model to our kids because they're watching. Mm-hmm. They see what's happening. They mm-hmm. hear our conversations. Um, I think it's... Uh, I think it's wonderful that you came on. It shows uh, your courage and um, your commitment to what you're doing and uh, willing to um, uh, put your voice out there so everyone can hear it. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for meeting me before this. And I look forward to um, continuing to have a relationship with you. How do people get connected to Eans for Equity? Um, this podcast is about people getting involved this episode how do they get in touch with you how do they get involved and what would you need parents to be involved doing yeah um i that's th- well we have you parents can go to eans for equity.org uh, mm-hmm. and the number four so eans, eans the number, for equity yeah, number, number four, four mm-hmm. equity.org uh, directs to open community page where we have all our live streams of our community conversations which okay. are always free okay. um we became a 501c3 because we oh, wanted to prioritize education and mm. talking to each other um so they can donate so they can donate mm. and it'll be tax deductible mm. and um and we can do things that uh, like the voter guide that mm-hmm. is for everyone um and um I think that that separates us from some, you know, other organizations. I think it makes clear our intentions. Mm-hmm. It's not to be political. Mm-hmm. Um, it is to be uh, to look at what how we can best serve all our kids. Mm-hmm. And I really mean that. Yeah. Um, and things that we can there are different ways to get involved. Um, we often put out calls for volunteers for different things okay. um, to help us shape some of these conversations in our community and um, help us support the district. We want to work in partnership. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the thing that I think parents can do is to just continue to ha- have open-hearted conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair. Respect each other. Mm-hmm. Have civil. a dose of, uh, yeah, and, and respect each other's, Humanity, what mm-hmm. they're bringing to the table, what is their story? Learn about that. Um, I think that's all. Every person's story, every person's uh, experiences are valuable mm-hmm. and valid and worthy of being heard and incorporated. They just will make the experience richer for all of our students. Well, on that note, I thank you again for coming on this episode of the Eans Parents Unite podcast, uh, Darshana. Calixteen, thank you, and thank you. Uh, best of luck to you. Thanks for having me. One of our primary goals on the Eans Parents Unite podcast is to open dialogue, two-way dialogue, on some of the most difficult and pressing topics that all of us are facing in the community today. And I think by having this discussion with our friend Darshana about diversity, equity, and inclusion, We've accomplished some of that goal. But I have to ask you, are you sold? Are you a believer now in DEI? Or are you still a little bit resistant, unsure, and can't be clear if it's really going to be a value and benefit to our children? Either opinion is fine, but we can't get there unless we're willing to have this civil, open, and transparent discussion like we're having on our podcast today. This podcast is brought to you by Ian's Kids First, ensuring that Ian's prioritizes our children's well-being, honors parental rights, and unites our incredible community. To learn more about our mission or to donate to our cause, please visit us at eanskids.com. That's E-A-N-E-S kids.com.